Hello, welcome to this week's episode of My Taste in Music is Terrible. I am Josh, and I'm joined by our other hosts today, Tanner, and TK, and Jonathan, and our guest, Jonathan. This week, we're going to do one of my favorite alternative metal bands ever that I've been so excited about this episode. Uh, this band formed in 2003, and we have been uh, listening to their music since then. Uh, the band name is Divergent Ideologies. And I am yeah. super pumped to oh, talk yeah. about them this week. Yeah. D.I. Woo! <clears throat> D.I. <laughs> but before we do that, um, we wanted to highlight... A couple of reviews um, on Apple Podcasts that we've gotten. So, um, one of our newest ones is from the username T Worm. The title of the the review is Lies, and the body says their taste in music is actually pretty good. Um, so that's a good one. Uh, I'll do two more. There's a there's a review from someone with the username of Righteous Oak. Uh, the title of the review says, Love Tips, and the body says, Jonathan saved my marriage with his delicious words. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. I, man, you have no idea what that means to me. Um, all right, one more. One more. So this one is from uh, Chris from Texas, titled, Come for the Music, Stay for the Love Tips. The body says, I was hesitant on subscribing. I mean, two guys named Tanner sounds super sus. But when Jonathan piped in with his love tips, I was sold. Save me from my loneliness, John John. I think Woo! we found Jonathan's burner. I, yeah. Um, there'll be more of those today, so stay tuned. <clears throat> there will always be more. Yeah. Um, love tips. Yeah. So thank you guys so much for reviewing. Please mm -hmm. um, share the podcast, tell your friends about it, and have them listen and rate and review as well. Has right, anybody right. written into the podcast yet? Um, not that I'm aware of, although I haven't checked the email in like a week. So. <laughs> I, just even even write in to the pod just to let us know that you're not going to write into the pod. Yeah, Rebecca yes. St. James, we're talking to you. Yeah. yeah. We yeah. know you don't like us very much. <laughs> yeah. Rectify that. Yeah. Make it right with us. <laughs> um, but here at the top of the show, Jonathan, we're so excited to have you back. We can't believe yeah, yeah, yeah. you came back. I know. We didn't know. scare you away. I yeah. was dragged here. But, yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> And um, I do have something for you. Oh, wow. Oh. <laughs> oh, boy. What have we here? All right. This is good radio right here. Yeah. He's, he's opening a letter, and he's, he's reading it silently to himself. <laughs> it says, what's Gerard weighing on your heart today? And it's a picture of a person who I don't know who it is. Uh, it's, it's Gerard. It's Gerard. <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> Disturb mode? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, so Gerard Way is the lead oh, singer of My Chemical Romance, oh, which yeah. is the band we're covering after Divergent Ideology. Woo! Yeah. So Jonathan, typically what we always do, beginning last week, mm. is we <laughs> is yeah. we ask our guests, you know, just to kind of like break 
some surface tension. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, we're all coming in here with, you know, like, different things, like, uh, you know... Stress. Stress. Yeah. Stresses. Stressors. Uh, you know, stress freaking... More stress, more yeah, a lot, a lot of other stress stresses, things, yeah. but but also like you different know. different things, and um, like what's weighing on your heart? Hmm. <laughs> and then when you're done, saying, say, well, this is Tanner. This is what's Gerard weighing on my heart. Okay. And say, TK, what's Gerard weighing on your heart when you're finished? <clears throat> okay. Okay. Yeah. What's been weighing on my heart? Um, you know. We we just got through a rough week of having the Suez Canal be blocked, and so I was afraid that we were gonna run into another toilet paper shortage. Um, so I did order a lot, but now it seems like uh, that was probably unnecessary because the ship is floating again. So that that was what was Gerard weighing on my heart. Uh, TK, what's Gerard weighing on your heart? Well, what's Gerard weighing on my heart is I like D and D, Audrey Hepburn, Fangoria, Harry Houdini, and Croquet. I can't swim, I can't dance, and I don't know karate. Face it, I'm never gonna make it. But frankly, I don't wanna. I just wanna. waiting for us to complete a song lyric and <laughs> none of us knew it. It, it also sounds like, like Napoleon Dynamite. No, do you this is a diversion ideology? Do you guys have no, no idea what I'm talking about? No. No. Literally no. Oh my gosh! I get to educate you guys. <laughs> <laughs> this is the wrong episode to be doing Wait, this in. Do you like Audrey Hepburn? I love Audrey Hepburn. Okay, well educate us. Um, before... Nope, that's so mean. I'm not going to say any of that. Okay. Um, okay. The beginning of the music video for I'm Not Okay by My Chemical Romance mm -hmm. is the best intro for a music video ever. And it's these two guys sitting on some stairs, like, in front of their school. And one of the guys, like, he's, like, talking to Gerard Way, and he's like, you like D&D, Audrey Hepburn, Fangoria? And he, like, goes through the list. And he's like, you're never going to make it. And then Gerard Way's like, I don't want to make it. I just want to. And then it cuts, and the music video, like, starts, and, like, the song starts. And it's... Like, iconic. I can't believe you guys... Oh. It's so good. What's the word we were supposed to say? Nothing. There's there's no... Oh, so we did it right. Yeah, we you guys did it right. right. Wow. So the we silence... know what you were talking about. Yeah, totally. Right. <laughs> yeah. So what, what we should do is edit the theme song in oh. right then. Oh, okay. Okay. So that so by we, you mean you, and that's just what's going to happen. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah. Um, so edit edit the theme song in, and then right when it ends, just get Jonathan saying, "Dance, dance with somebody." somebody. <laughs> <laughs> no, like seriously, go home and watch it because it's like that's like that was my. I'm not gonna talk about this anymore. I'll have, I'm just I'll, gonna I'll ruin the, the episode. I'll watch it because yeah. I'm not. I'm not usually like a music video guy, so that's yeah. I'll, I'll need to check it out. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So next week. My Chemical Romance. Stay tuned for that, and also stay tuned to the rest of this episode for more vamping. All right. <laughs> All right. So today we're talking about divergent ideology. Um, yeah. I, divergent. I, oh, both of them. 
divergent ideologies. Well, it could be multiple ideologies. Yeah, there's a lot. And they diverge. I mean, you can't diverge a single ideology. No, I mean, not unless you're schizophrenic. Well, get into um, our rankings. Well, I think before that, we should go around the room and say how we were introduced to divergent ideologies. Oh, right, that thing we do every episode. Yeah. (laughs) So... (laughs) Since, since Josh named the band, since he introed, we'll start with him, and uh, we'll go around, and then we'll be in our rankings. I first discovered uh, Divergent Ideologies uh, back in 2003 when they were formed. They also released an EP that year, uh, and they were touring with Demon Hunter. So, Whoa. Uh, right. They, I forgot about that. Yeah. So I that's that's how I was introduced to them uh, during that tour and the EP that they mm-hmm. produced then, uh, which most of the songs on that EP ended up on their first album. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So my f- uh, the way that I was introduced to Di um, is there was this. I guess it was kind of like a TV show. It was I don't even remember the channel it was on, but it was called Steel Roots, and it was like a Christian music video, like countdown for like alternative music. Mm. Um, and it was actually the first place that I ever heard Chill Red. Um, like Hot Nelson was on it, Emery was on it. Actually, my first exp- exposure to Emery, I think, was also that. But mm. yeah, like uh, they Di was always on the count. They never got number one. Like falling up. Project 86 and Showbread would always fight for the number one spot. But they're, I love falling up, but uh, DI always, um, they were like in the four spot pretty consistently. And I really like that song. I mean, like my friends and I would just, uh, would would play their albums and, you know, we'd skateboard. My friend had like an unfinished, um, like I'm not kidding when I say this, growing up, uh, my friend lived with his grandparents and they owned this huge like mansion sized house mm. and only a third of it was completed and so the rest of it was just this like covered empty open space nice. and we had like a bunch of skate ramps and heaters in there no so in the oh. winter we would just like skate all the time oh that's cool and we had a sound system in there and <laughs> yeah it was easy. it was so freaking cool so we would just skate nice. and listen to di and wow. yeah and eat pizza so yeah inline kickflips <clears throat> yeah yeah actually uh, I learned yesterday that TK has a hard time with the kickflip, but he mm. can heel flip. Yeah, I can heel flip oh, in front really? of sixth graders, because I'm the cool sub. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone take out your math book and fart on it. <laughs> Which is the opposite. I can't I can't heel flip, but I can kickflip yeah. most of the time. That's why I get all the girls. Mm. I probably would die if I tried to do either of them. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't do I either. did. It's, it's <laughs> skate or die, but mostly die. Mm. All right, Jonathan, how did you first hear about Divergent Ideologies? Well, being that it was about 2003 when they formed, I, I think I heard about them in 2006 or something, which is kind of where I I found a lot of bands that mm-hmm. I was really into. Mm-hmm. Um, most, If you've been listening to the podcast, you know I found a lot of bands through the WoW hit CDs. I did not find this band through the WoW hit CDs. They're probably a little too out there for that. Um, but I was listening to I think I was listening to a couple bands from one of the Wow Hit CDs and they came up on a YouTube recommended video 
um, right next to Rebecca St. James. <laughs> <laughs> Which I find it odd that it recommended both of them, but I decided against Rebecca St. James, went with Divergent Ideologies, and uh, listened to them for a few years, and that was kind of my intro to metal, um, I suppose alt-metal, alt alt-rock. Um, That's weird that they would put Rebecca St. James next to an alt-metal band. I don't understand YouTube recommended sections very much. It's just that maybe I was listening to some other bands that was similar yeah, to her. Just like, just this guy likes alt-metal and right. CCM. Right. I think that was the idea. <laughs> maybe, maybe they were confused. <laughs> I, yeah. So maybe they were like, so. this guy beats Jesus. <laughs> but honestly, I found a lot of bands through the YouTube recommended section. Uh, probably most notably Icon for Hire, which I was into for a while, who were signed to Tooth and Nail. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm not sure what Divergent Ideologies were signed to, to be quite honest. It might have been, it was probably a similar record label. Of not too Weren't they on Blind Fights? Oh, no, no, they were on Wind Up yeah. with like 12 Stones. Yes. I, that sounds right. Yeah, because they weren't, they weren't quite as big as Tooth and Nail, but yeah, mm -hmm. Wind Up sounds right. Um, anyway. That's, yeah, uh, listened to them for a few years and then stopped and kind of went on my way and then found them again a couple of years ago and uh, listened so, to the latest record. But question, so like when I, yeah. when I was a kid and I watched Space Jam, like, this is the best movie ever. And then I watched Space Jam when I was like 21 and I was like, this is the worst movie ever. <laughs> so like, how did it hold up? Because like Space Jam doesn't hold up, mm -hmm. but like how does take. DI hold up for you? That is a hot take. I mean, it was, <laughs> I don't think... There was a, a ton of alt metal around that time, at least that I was listening mm -hmm. to. So I wouldn't me, call them alt metal. Okay, what would you call them? I I I call them. I hate to say this, but I would call them new metal. That's the oh. same thing. Not even. <laughs> not even Whoa. sort of. Rollins band. Uh, freaking Tool. Okay. But uh, would you, oh, you you don't like Lincoln Park, so. No, I don't. I wouldn't call Lincoln Park new metal or all metal. Really? What would you call them? I don't really know. I'm still like learning about that side of myself. I, I. But like, I think I Di sounds more like Corn or like um, uh, the Deftones, hmm. way more than like Roland's band, right? Or Tool. I, I would agree. I mean, Tool's pretty progressive. Yeah. Or, like, you System know. of a Down would be, like, alt metal. Because they're not new metal. Right? Yeah, system, yeah, System would be alt metal. Right. Right. So maybe a little I, more new I, metal. I, would, I, think, I, think, I think Linkin Park's, like, a little bit new metal. I yeah, I like, they have influences bit, in there. Yeah. yeah. I think that they find new metal. Oh. Hey, you know That's what? a topic for another episode. <laughs> strong opinion <laughs> but yeah i mean anyway um however we define their genre i i i think they i think at least a couple of their albums hold up for me which i guess we'll get to in the rankings um, yeah, only about four hmm well yeah there's only four <laughs> albums but um a couple uh, yeah a couple of their albums hold up for me the other two aren't not so much but they had some pretty creative instrumental sections and guitar parts and everything that I don't know. I like a little more interesting than just the normal new metal stuff that was coming out around that time. So mm. it holds my interest more than, say, Evanescence. 
I'm just kidding. I love that. <laughs> just kidding. They can do no wrong. <laughs> Except for the album they just put out, which I don't know who mixed it, but in one of the songs they released as a single, um, it sounds like Amy Lee is in a corner, like, yelling, and she's just not loud enough in the mix. It sounds like she's, oh. like, hurting her voice, but they just didn't turn her up in the mix loud enough. Like the last two episodes of our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe we should address our, our bad sound in the podcast. No. Nah. Now, nah. Nah, we'll edit that So, out. Jonathan, what was your first yeah. exposure to <laughs> So, uh, loyal, long-time listeners of uh, My Taste in Music is Terrible uh, won't find this shocking, um, but I actually listened to or heard of Divergent Ideologies or... Um, Dive-eyed, as I call it <coughs> now, colloquially. Right, right. Um, You're always calling them that. Yeah, well, I, I like was... the only person that called them dive-eyed. <laughs> well, well, yeah. I mean... It uh, makes sense, like, though, I suppose. There's, there's dozens of us, so... <laughs> Literally, uh, there's, a, there's a Reddit group. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that group, but I thought it was pronounced Dibid. <laughs> uh, it just looks like divide to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I heard about them uh, approximately 48 hours ago when Tana asked me to appear on this podcast. Um, when I begged you. So I, I have spent the last two days uh, listening through their discography. Um, I, I'm intrigued by you guys calling them new metal. Um, I, I really enjoyed on one of their albums the distinct um, polka-centeredness of it. Mm. Um, I thought that was a really intriguing take on the right. on the a whole genre. Um, right, because you know that they were refugees from Poland. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, that's what? why they have that whole like polka influence on that album. I that's that's really shocking to me. I didn't realize that. Um, do you get like do you know what year they came over? Oof. This is great grandfather. Oh. Who, like, I mean, the in an interview that I saw, mm-hmm. um, his great grandfather was in uh, one of Schindler's rescue carts. Wow, whoa, um, which is crazy, but <clears throat> it was like it was attached to one of the it was the back one of one of the trains, but um, the Nazis were evil and lazy. And they didn't quite like fasten everything together, because oh. um, <clears throat> they're like too busy like celebrating Christmas or something. And so they didn't like yeah, hook up funny. the last trailer together. Yeah. So what happened is the the last trailer became disconnected from the rest of the carts. Wow. Um, and then uh, the like the Gestapo's found it, right. and his grandfather was in that uh, was in that. Um, like cart yeah Yeah. and um what happened is there's some like there's like a a nearby village and they knew that there there was only one of these on the train tracks they couldn't move it Uh and so they waited for the gestapos to get there and then they came out with rocks and slayed the entire group it was like guerrilla warfare that makes so much sense for one of their album names like right yeah Yeah, it clicks now and and that's like what the inspiration for that album was wow. and like where that wow. cover art comes from right wow. um which is which is really really cool yeah um yeah. and then they basically that whole entire town 
like they were like we're so effing done with these nazis yeah they were so pissed off they just like needed to work out like all of their like inner frustration and they right. pushed together yeah. the entire town like elementary schools were empty and they pushed that cart uh-huh. down the tracks so that it met up with the other ones and this is a train right trains travel 65 miles per hour right that's unbelievable borderline unbelievable yeah, yeah. that's the right <laughs> word i would use yeah it's so but i mean the point is like the the polka influence right. in that album is like like an homage to his right. grandfather yeah and yeah great grandfather great grandfather yeah interesting yeah no that makes a ton of sense um yeah so it's been really interesting just to kind of uh listen through and uh you know hearing hearing kind of the backstory a lot of their um uh, just the the lyrical inspiration it makes a little bit more sense just in terms of the contextuality of their international exposure and uh, yeah like that bridge of the third album grinding my gears I'm not going to reveal where that goes. Right. Grinding my gears. Right. Um, like on my list. But yeah, I mean, like that line where he says, Little Jimmy. <laughs> Come on, wait. Get, 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 get. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just really emotional. <laughs> you can do it. You can do it. <laughs> he says, Little Jimmy, Little Jimmy. <laughs> Oh, oh, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. Little Jimmy, Little Jimmy, Little Jimmy, where'd you go? No. No? No. That was that's from their second album. Oh, that's right. But he says, Little, little Jimmy, Little Jimmy, hike up your suspenders, push, push, heave, ho, let's go. Oh, that's, I, right. I missed the middle part of that, yeah. Yeah. Okay, never mind. Did you even listen to these albums? I did. Okay. I haven't heard that one in a while, though. Um, I listened to it very quickly right. at work today. Little Jimmy, little Jimmy, hike up the suspenders, <laughs> push, heave, ho, let's go! Right. Right. And then there's that sick breakdown. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, my first exposure to divergent ideologies was actually... Very similar to... No, it's not Divide. Very similar to my exposure to Reliant K, actually. So I used to... I was homeschooled um, up until high school. Hey, me too. And I would listen (laughs) to, um, like, iTunes Radio, which was, like, before Apple Music or anything like that. Yeah. And there was, like, this Christian rock and, like, hard rock station. Um, And this was back in, like, 2007... Um, and they would, uh, they would, um, they would come on occasionally, but, uh, yeah, I, like, they'd come on occasionally, and it was one of those bands where at first I was kind of like, eh, you know, I don't know if I'm that into this, um, but eventually, you know, they won me over, and, um, my, so my first album that I ever bought on iTunes was Storm the Gates of Hell by Demon Hunter, mm-hmm. and then, um, the second album I ever bought was by it was um divergent ideology second album killing me gently until i die so um yeah, what uh kmg you 
So that was I mean so that was, was their second album. So then grinding my gears is Polish. Yeah, we yeah. decided that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. Remember. Yeah. Right. We remember. Yeah. So th- th- this was before grinding my gears. Um, Gene, my G's. Yeah, which that was. Um, <laughs> so so GMG grinding my gears was the first like album of theirs that I was like hyped about before it came out, and mm-hmm. I like I right. got it the, the day it released. Right. Um, but yeah, so my my first exposure was iTunes Radio, and then I ended up buying that album. So yeah. Sweet. Well, uh, let's get into the ranking then. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am going to have to say that the third album, Grinding My Gears, is my number four. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's, I will say that the production <clears throat> of this album is the, is the best of the four albums. I think that the do, production Do you know is, why? No, why? It was produced by Max Sue. Whoa. Really? Seriously. <laughs> I knew he was gonna come up again. Like he just keeps popping up. It's it's incredible. So uh, that makes sense. It's the best production of the four, I think. Um, it also is my favorite album art uh, for sure. Like, it's amazing, right? It, it's reminiscent of a Demon Hunter style discography, mm-hmm. like where it's kind of like painting and kind of things like that, but right. uh, with a very memento mori theme. Uh, and, right. And right. so I, I I I like that, but I I do. Uh, I guess the reasons that I don't like this album uh, is that uh, hold on, let me look at my notes here. <laughs> Confused. Um, I I feel like they uh, they they kind of went away from their uh, lyrical roots that they had in the beginning. Uh, in in their self-titled album, the first album. Yeah, the first right. self-titled album. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I, I I love the lyrics in that album, and we'll get to that later. But I uh, they I feel like they kind of got away with that to cater to the record label. It's not as cathartic, uh, and then they also didn't use any symphonics in this album. And I I really like their use of symphonics in the right. other albums. Just right. I but mm-hmm. I and and I think it, it they they pulled a move like Red and tried. Handed electronic, except not electronic. They use polka, uh, right. and and I mean, I it's a very alt metal thing to do, like to right. bring in these weird sounds that are from other influences and bring them into metal. Mm-hmm. I get it, but at the same time, definitely not my favorite. Right. Um, Which is so weird because they're a new metal band. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's that's, that's, <laughs> that's debatable. I mean, I. I I will say though I so lyrically I don't think it was as good, um, but I did still really really like the song "Eternal Sorrow" and and the ill-fated song. Mm. I think those mm. were really really good. So my number four album I I'm just like gonna say something really really unpopular and say, um, the chaos of heaven below is my number mm. four album. Mm. Um, and I know that that's kind of like, you know, like Skillet has comatose. I would say like this, the taste of heaven below is pretty. Um, the chaos uh, of heaven below. The chaos of heaven below. I'm okay. So there's a tour that happened called the Taste of Chaos tour, um, and I always like get that freaking mix up. It was like the used and uh, I think Thursday and Taking Back Sunday mm-hmm. was on that tour. But anyways, yeah. I always get this mixed up. Okay, so. The Chaos of Heaven Below. 
uh, is my number four. And it was their number four album. And it's, for some reason, their most popular. And I just think that, like, I think that their songwriting really dipped um, because they were working really hard to appease, like, labels. Um, and I, I, like, understand that because I think when you have a career as a band, um, and this is, like, a similar thing happened to, like, Plank Eye, where you sign a deal to put out certain a certain amount of albums and you have to fulfill that deal. Um, What happens if you have things fall through, tours fall through, members quit, um, and you're you're still held to this standard, um, and then there's Or if you change as a band and want to evolve. Or if you change and want want to evolve as a band. And, like, in no way, shape, or form is this their fault, but, like, after Kevin Lyman stepped down from drumming, like, he was really the heart and soul uh, of, of D.I., and like when he stepped away, like something that is so dynamic in you know like freaking we're arguing about new metal and all metal, but like one of the most important aspects of both of those genres is like is what is happening behind the kit. When he stepped down uh, to start his sandwich shop, mm-hmm. um, it was a big deal. Right. It was really difficult, and um you know they still have these contractual obligations uh, obviously like so he stepped down after the third album uh gene my g's grinding my gear well and then he he named his sandwich shop gear grinders right which is a disgusting name for a sandwich shop it's it's horrible <laughs> that's uh but i mean honestly if he had opened it any other place besides seattle it wouldn't have worked out but it's working out there for some reason right yeah. so it's yeah because Seattleans just because are well, disgusting. So, <laughs> no, not because of so that. What, but. So what I think... So you're saying they're trying to cater more to a record label this album? Well, I mean, literally, they're like putting out... They're like fulfilling a contractual obligation. Okay. So I see how you see it that way, but <clears throat> do you know what else happened between album three and album four? Uh, I think I do, but okay, explain so, it. So the lead singer, his brother died. And so, like, lyrically, this album, he, he's kind of struggling with these concepts of, of fate and death and eternity. Um, and it, Oh, that's that's where that verse in uh, Plunging Lineback comes from. Yeah, so he's, right. so he's dealing with... So, how, how does that verse go? What, where, what are the first few lyrics of that verse? Oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. You you know. Oh, the second verse. Yeah, the second verse of Plunging Line Back. Right. Track, isn't it seven? Track seven? Diving deeper into the darkness. Uh, Everybody knows where the heart is. Go team. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's what you think he said. Oh. Yeah, but he was actually saying protein. um, Because... His, his I think brother. that lyric is still up for debate. Yeah, it's, well, there's, plenty, there's, there's plenty of threads about it. I mean, this, this is arguably, like, the biggest controversy around that album. Is, sure. is it Go Team or Pro Team? And honestly, I think it's about a lot of the lyrics in general. A lot of people don't understand exactly what's being said. Well, well like, like, the meaning behind a lot but of But it's great that, like, you guys said the lyrics, but I asked Josh to sing the lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> Josh can't sing. <laughs> I, I'm gonna pass on this one. <laughs> I I would rather sing more about uh, my favorite album, but we're not gonna say which one's my favorite. Mm. 
But anyway, I think I, I, I just wanted to argue with you a little bit. I, I can see where you're going with, with where they're maybe trying to, to just finish out their, their contract or whatever. But there was right. a lot going on <clears throat> behind the scenes there that he's, he's mm. dealing with all of this right. stuff. Right, right. And it didn't make it any easier that the drummer stepped down. Right. Which yeah. he didn't know that his brother was going to die after he stepped down. But Right. And, I mean, they weren't as much of a popular band at that point anyway, so they weren't making a lot of money, even though they were touring a lot, so I understand why the drummer stepped down, but well, and it's, it's just a tough place for everybody. Yeah, there's just more money in sandwiches you know, right. at that point. Yeah. <laughs> well, at that, like, yeah, like in the, you know, late 2000s, and what's interesting, I mean, like, even, like, The Refused, who, like, is, you know, one of the most, like, influential hardcore bands, um, I think they came out of Switzerland, I think. But, like, they, all of their success basically came after they broke up. So they became more and more recognizable. Um, and, and I think, you know, in a way, like, that's kind of what happened to D.I. Mm. My fourth favorite album from them is, I think, self-titled. Because they're still mm. finding their place, I feel like, on that one. It was their first album. I know I know there's gonna be people who disagree with this. I I understand. I just don't think it's as cohesive Dude, you suck. as I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't think it's as cohesive as the other ones. If they didn't from what I've read, they didn't have as much of a plan going into it. They just went to the studio and tried to write songs in the studio, which works for some bands, they can do that. Um, but I think in the albums following they benefited a lot from writing <laughs> Dang it! <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> from from writing in their own personal like home studios and houses, and then bringing that into the studio. <laughs> More organic process. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, instead of just trying to come up with stuff in the studio, because I understand that there's a lot of weight behind the lyrics in that first album. You know, they're all coming from a place of hurt and bad upbringing and all that, um, <laughs> which is why they started the band in general. It's just because their home lives were so bad that they had to come together and had to leave the house and everything. And um, But they, yeah, they didn't prepare as much as I think they could have been for the instrumental side. And a lot of the parts are amazing, and then some <coughs> of the parts just seem like they're filler. Because yeah. um, how, how long was it before, like, so their formation and then them like in the studio it wasn't that long was it i mean well so they formed and released the ep in right. 2003 right and then they were touring and it, then in 2005 they released that first album dang well and yeah. like i i think what a lot of people don't understand is like when a band is touring like we assume they have like all this time to like write the new album but like when yeah. you're touring you're basically playing old material well, they're basically right. just playing the three songs that were on the ep and then they were starting to get a following, so they were like, we need to come up with an album. And right. so they yeah. sat down so in the quick, studio. And yeah, they ended album. touring and went to the studio like a few weeks later or something mm -hmm. like that. And I mean, they started when they were pretty young. Um, right. You know, they were, they were teenagers, I think, mid-teens when they started forming the band. And then they released the EP, I think, yeah. maybe, you know, late teens or something like that. Dude, fun fact. So the drummer, Kevin Lining, was only 14. Lyman. Really? He was Lyman. only 14? When the first album came out, yeah. When they recorded it, he was only 14. Wow. My mistake. That's amazing. Claire just 
freaking corrected me. Yeah. Th- thank you to thank you to Claire behind the scenes. Um, <laughs> she's our producer. <laughs> she's also into the band. She so. doesn't have a mic though. She yeah. can't speak for herself. <clears throat> right. She's so emotional right now because like Di means so much to her. Yeah, she really is into that. And if yeah. she says one word, it's gonna be like me when I was saying that lyric from right. Mm-hmm. Like you could keep grinding like ears, right? Yeah, little, little the, the Jimmy, little Jimmy lyric, Jimmy. yeah, oh. iconic, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it's, okay, it sounds weird when we say that lyric on a podcast, just like, just say it, but it, it makes sense singing. Yeah, so, right. Like, a, like yeah. after, after this episode, go, go find right the song mm-hmm. and listen to it. Cause and, the like, didgeridoo it'll... part in that is swelling. Swelling didgeridoo. Yeah. I mean, I didn't well, know they used that, the didgeridoo no, that was... for that sound effect. They did. Oh, okay. Yeah, they that's did. What it is. They but did. Because in the studio, I, I, they came out with a few different videos for like the studio process they just added like a ton of reverb to it yeah huh. well and it, exa- exactly like you said josh so they, they went a lot more electronic that album and so the mistake they made unfortunately with the didgeridoo in that album is that they they like mic'd it and then ran it through some effects and it, it creates this gotcha. weird kind of it didn't sound quite yeah. right which is so mid-2000s yeah, yeah. i mean yeah. i'm pretty sure pod did the exact same thing yeah Absolutely. What didn't POD do? <laughs> well, and it's funny because P- like POD, um, when they released Satellite, like in two thousand one, um, so then in two thousand three they came out with self titled, so it was Payable on Death. They picked up Di as a supporting artist, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> when Sunny he dropped out of the band, I think after Satellite, yep. um, Bixby, um, Bixby he like didn't go by a last name it was just bixby he stepped in for guitar for them for like a few different tours which is crazy huh. uh, i don't know if you guys knew that i did not yeah, yeah. i P-O- i know pod has done that with a lot of bands a lot of other <clears throat> bands a lot, right a lot like thousand foot crutch did um the tooth and nail yeah they, they brought mm-hmm. bands in mm-hmm. yeah yeah bixby sure. bixby was i i, I think of a, a very a, a very underrated guitarist and I think like had a really cool way of like incorporating uh, like almost kind of like a Tom Morello feel and vibe but right. then uh, could also like rip solos at mm-hmm. the same time so I think between his guitar playing Kevin Lining's amazing drumming um, and then Sassafras Stevens bass playing uh, it was just a really great all sassy yeah sassy yes. or, or sassy as his friends Right, call them. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, yeah, like he, the guitar player is still finding his place in the first album. And I think that was what the issue was for me. Right, because he would get off right off tempo a lot. Yeah, and he was like just, trying to find left his, it in. space. So right, like, yeah. So yeah. I mean, later on, Bixby kind of I think he he figured out exactly what he wanted to do with the records, and they were a little more cohesive. Right. Um, well, after, after his experience, home, after his experience with Pod, he like learned a lot. Right. And then, well, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, it's P.O.D. Right. <laughs> I feel so alive for the very first time. I can't deny. I feel so alive. We are, we are. Youth of a nation. You got that one. You can't, use the, <laughs> you, you can't right. use the same clap for both songs. <laughs> All right, I think that it is time for Love Tips with Jonathan. Woo! Ow, 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 ow
that I should was, be the sting. Okay. Before love, before love to speak, John, I do want to do a sounds feels like. Okay. okay. Yeah. For this album, because if if you haven't listened to the last um, rec, um, recording we did, um, I with Vampire Weekend, I started this new segment that I dropped called Sounds Feels Like, where I try like I don't usually do this, um, but I I've been trying to just kind of think about an album in a different way. Mm-hmm. And what it sounds and feels like in like role playing. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly like role playing. Like some people when they listen to a song or listen to an album, they think of a color. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they think of just being in a certain place in time. So I'm trying a certain place. In right. Time. So what you're saying is that you want to do some role playing before you just give us the tip. <laughs> right. One hundred. That seems like what yeah. you say. Yeah, I think everyone should do some role playing before they give the tip. Before any they tips. give the tip. Yeah. 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 Before they give the tips. Yeah. It, it yeah. makes total sense. Yeah. So. Um, last time I did, I, I imagine like a certain place in time, um, for the album. This time it's a color. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So with this one, if it was self-titled, it's the color yellow. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. I, mean, I, I was thinking chartreuse, but I care. Well, they're, oh. <laughs> I mean, they're similar. They're cousins in yeah. the color world. I thought chartreuse was like red. No, no, huh. definitely uh, not. Lo- red and yellow, have you ever been to McDonald's? <laughs> <laughs> Fair. They go together. Yeah. Like the birds and the bees, they go together. <laughs> um, right. Now love tips. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yellow just because it's kind of, I don't, I think it's just because it's, I'm more cautionary about the album, perhaps, and maybe that's where it came from. Um, love tips. Yeah. So, when you're on your first date with somebody. Okay. Never, never suck in helium beforehand. Never suck in helium before the before, first date. Before the first date, right before you walk in the door. Because when your voice deepens, they're going to just be scared. And they're not going to know what to do. So it's best that you, you don't do that. And you just use your usual voice. Right. Because you should be yourself. And you shouldn't let anyone define. Right. Yeah, there's a lot of middle schoolers who really needed that. Yeah. That was more for the middle school population who's yeah. listening to this. Especially in 2021. Right. Right, right. Yeah. And, and a lot of our audience is made up of the middle schoolers. Yeah. Well, yeah. And you know what I love, Jono, if I may, about you may, your you love may tips? May. You may. Is that, is that you always connect them in some way, like, to mm. the to the music. Yeah. And so, right. I, I just or love... Or to middle schoolers. You or love middle schoolers. schoolers. Yeah. But, it's so clever. It, it's because it, clearly, like the intro of their song "Dancing in Jeans," they're singing with helium. Well, yeah, it's that vocal effect. Yeah, I think it's yeah, that's where it came from. Wait, is that what a is, vocal it's not, effect or was that? It's not an effect. Helium. That's the fun fact about it. Is it's literal oh, I helium. It was no effect. way! Yeah. I had no idea. It wasn't an effect. That's so weird. Yeah, that would be a punk thing to do, dude. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, there was so much punk influence. So. Anyway, Jonathan, <laughs> what's your fourth? Uh, so I, I have to agree with you, not to draw the Jonathan lines, but, uh, yeah, the first album, self-titled, um, which when you guys were first telling me, I thought it was literally called like Divergent Ideologies, like the album, but it's literally called self-titled, which I think is really cool. Right. Um, it was kind of like a punk rock thing they were doing. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, oh, okay. Or like a new metal thing. Yeah. 
I mean, I think, I feel like it's more of a. Well, it's like so tongue in cheek. It does right. make it really hard to find on Spotify. It, it's yes. true. Yeah. Yes. Don't give up. Yeah. Search yeah. self-titled. You just have to keep scrolling, but you'll find <laughs> yeah. it. Keep yeah. scrolling. It's like one of the last right ones. Now. It's hard to find. It's, yeah, I think it's at the very end of the list. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I agree with you. I felt like the lyrics, um, to me were just uh, a a bit on the weaker end in terms of their whole discography. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, it, you know, you can, you can hear just some of the immaturity in the, the song construction. Um, and I think for me, it was mainly the song construction. The lyrics have, were a little better for me. Sure. Uh, I think mm-hmm. for me, I was missing. Um, so I, I really enjoy like wordplay. Um, and so sure there, their use of metaphor, I felt like, specifically in grinding my gears, was kind of top notch, and um, you know, using um, like references that were like double and sometimes even triple entendres in their second album, um, I felt were kind of over the top, um, in a good way, in a good way. Yeah. But self-titled was very straightforward. Right. Um, it, it's. It was it was enjoyable, um, but I, I don't know if there was anything that made me stop and like really think about um, what was going on there behind the scenes. So, yeah, um, yeah musically, uh, you know, it, it was it was good. It was obviously a first album in terms of the mixing and the production value. Like they had they had just gotten together as a band two years prior, you know. So I think it makes sense and it's to be expected. Um, but, you know, for some people, uh, like Josh, you know, he, uh, he really appreciates the, the, the authentic, right. The authentic struggle of, of that whole Yeah. Process. The rawness that comes right. with it. Uh, I you know, it. and it's for myself, you know, someone who's less into, uh, music just in general knows less about it. Like I, I do appreciate the the production of, you know, their latter albums, um, just because, you know, I'm more in that demographic of who they're trying to reach. Um, so in self-titled, um, I think I just may not have been their primary audience and that's okay. Um, that doesn't mean it's a bad album by any means, but, uh, it was just my least favorite. Okay. What, what was your favorite song? Because my favorite song was Swamp Lord. I, I really love the Dude, opening guitar. Swapboard is so good. Gosh. Yeah, Swapboard um, is iconic. I, yeah, it had that great guitar riff. I think that was the most cohesive. How so, did that one go? Uh, wasn't that one in you know, four or five too? Four or five timing. I think so. Yeah, it was. Which, it was something super weird. Do do a four or five time, like beat right now. I don't know if I could, to be honest. Uh, it's a maybe, tough. One. It's tough. Yeah, I, and he's not a drummer. I'm not. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I'm a Nathan Robertus, where are you? <laughs> um, I'll I'll have to practice that and get back to you. I'm not sure if I can pull that. <clears throat> Kyle Genoway, right into the pot. You know? Yeah. Do you know Artistic how? Music is terrible. At gmail.com. Do you know how I do time signatures? Yeah, how do you do I that? wait for the click. Right. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, <laughs> sounds like a church musician. Hey, you know what? At least as a vocalist, you're you're paying attention to the time signature. Right. Most vocalists don't have a clue. Uh, 
Yeah, um, I just want to know what your favorite song is. Yeah, I think my favorite was, uh, and this was a bit of a hot take, um, but it was Pine Trees Gently Swaying in an Ocean Breeze. Mm. Um, a lot of their song titles were longer on their first album. Oh, it, they yeah. were. Yeah, it was yeah. a little harder to remember. Which actually, I'm I'm not kidding you when I say this. Fall Out Boy referenced them as an inspiration for their long-ass song titles. Oh, really? Yeah, did wow. you guys know that? I did not know that. That's crazy because I love Fall Out Boy's old stuff. But yeah. I did not know that. And um, their drummer, um, I forget the drummer's name, but he like, so he like grew up in like the straight edge culture and played in hardcore bands. And he toured with a band that toured with them and like was like hanging out with them and they like picked up one of their albums and was like so blown away by how long their titles were. Wow. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah, I, I, I liked the more uh, melodic um, instrumentation of it. It was it was one of their more kind of downbeat ones. Uh, but yeah, it was just, it was very, uh, I think, emotionally provocative. Um, it really it, it, uh, mentally uh, kind of got me going in terms of um, just the, the thought processes um, of you know, really living in the moment. Right, like their song Death of a Saint. Like, they weren't trying to beat around the bush. Right, right, yeah. Right, uh, that saint died. Right. They just came out and said it. Yeah, I mean, you know, 90-second song, right to the point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. I mean, why, why mess around, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, I actually have to agree with TK on this one. So my number four album is The Chaos of Heaven Below. Would you um, get your own list? <laughs> we'll, we'll see how the rest of it goes okay um, but yeah I think I agree with you it sounded a lot more I mean almost you know the way that you say it is they're fulfilling a contractual obligation the way I say it is they sold out um, and so it, it just doesn't it loses you know the heart that their first three albums kind of had of what really made them DI right. um, is is in, in my opinion just lacking on that last album um it's i think at, at many times it's it's too happy um where you know their first three albums were pretty dark um and so yeah i mean i think like while the production quality is great um it's it's just it's lacking the heart and so um i think it's one saving grace honestly is um in the song Depression While Skydiving Over Canada, um, that I think the use of accordion in that song is just really kind of like hauntingly beautiful. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's probably like a standout for me, but the rest of the album, honestly, was pretty forgettable. Well, I like that song because they talk a lot about their Canadian heritage because they were from Canada. Oh, well, really? Hmm? Like their parents or... Because the, their, well, their great parents... His, his great-grandfather... You know, came from Poland. Right, right. but they settled. Settled uh, in Canada. Canada. At least, their, at least the parents come thing. to America. Right, you know, in my at mind, least, at least the parents. Because, <laughs> I mean, well, we are the greatest country. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure about their great grandparents, but I know they're, they're, they lived in Canada, oh, and that's where they met around Edmonton. Yeah. Oh, Edmonton. Yeah. yeah. The Oilers. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's, that's really all I have to say about that one. Um, okay. I, I totally forgot to mention this, but. The, and actually Jonathan and I before this we were even talking about this yeah. um, guess what Hollywood starlet inspired track number three Jonathan 
Tell him. Naomi Watts. Yeah. No way. Yeah, Naomi yes. Watts inspired track number three. Um, the Ring. That's the song The Ring. Right. Was written about um, the engagement ring that Naomi Watts' husband gave her uh, that she wore to the red carpet premiere of King Kong. King Kong. Right. She was in King Kong. She was in King Kong. Yeah. I just watched that movie. By the way, side note, um, <laughs> it is worth its three-hour runtime. That movie is so good. Say, that's good. It is good. Actually, uh, I think it was like Peter Jackson or something. Okay, Peter, Peter Jackson. Jackson. Peter Jackson. Okay. So yeah. there's the bug scene good. in that, which yes. is a direct reference to the OG King Kong. Like mm. that scene oh, happened okay. in the first King Kong. Ugh, that was... Ugh. <clears throat> yeah, gosh. Gotcha. Yeah, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. And All also, right. they... They referenced that scene in one of their songs. They did the pit. Yes. Yeah, and that was on grinding my gears. Yes. Yeah. Such a good song, dude. The pit. Yeah. I love that song. Yeah. The pit. The pit. The pit. The pit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, simple lyrics, but yeah, really, really impactful. Right. Um, in which they don't ever come right out and say it. Right. But you know, come like. Come around and say it. <laughs> okay. Ryan K. Okay. Ryan K. Matt Thiessen does do guest vocals on that song, but mm-hmm. um, it's really cool because on the pit they don't come out out and say any of those things. But you just know like the heaviness of what they're saying. It's a direct reference to that scene in Peter Jackson's King Kong from two thousand. And for a while, honestly, I thought it was in reference to the pit in Parks and Rec. <laughs> right, the right. The timeline doesn't match up necessarily. No, actually, and I haven't looked at the timeline. Right, right. Actually, um, the producers of Parks and Rec were giant D.I. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that would be something. That'd be really cool. That would be something. Yeah. Oh, gosh. That, oh, I, if I said that, right. this whole show, it would almost be like it was total BS. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that, that would be unbelievable. So, that was your number four? That was my number four. Oh, yeah, right. The Chaos of Heaven Below. Uh, my number three, I uh, was actually, oh, I, I almost messed up there. <laughs> I almost told you the wrong one. My, uh, album, th- or my number three album, uh, was Killing Me Gently Till I Die. Um, and it, I'll be kind of quick about it. I don't have, uh, a ton to say about this album, um, and it, which is fine because we've taken a long time already, but, uh... I I I do think that lyrically it was still pretty good. I I I in comparison to some of their other or in looking at the whole discography. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I uh, like I really really like the song "Signature of a Mortal Man." Um, mm-hmm. It's beautifully written and expresses this uh, this fleeting uh, and fading legacy that we have as humans uh, by comparing it to Invisible Ink. Uh, mm. And I, I just thought that was really neat. Um, but like yeah. I said, I, it's not. I mean, it's. I don't. Uh, I don't like it as much as the other two albums that we'll talk about later. But yeah, that'd be that'd be my number three. Kill me gently till I die. TK. Yeah. Um. Okay. So my number three <clears throat> is grinding my. Years. Oh my gosh! Seriously? <laughs> Seriously? Shut up! <laughs> this is my list. I can say whatever I want. So, granny, I okay. I'm just gonna be honest. It almost gives me um, uh, weird Al Yankovic vibes. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. Well, okay. It, there is that little polka part. <laughs> right. It's the polka. 
Yeah. Um, and I just I think the 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 Jimmy lyrics are really stupid. It's just an but you almost cried earlier saying it. Obviously. Well, yeah, cried um, out of thinking about like the the memories, but like I don't think it translates mm. as well. Um, I think it translates better. But hey. so, but actually, did you guys know that? So, um, the. Uh, original rhythm guitarist for D.I. Ben Shapiro, he like wait the same one. Oh, well because there's the YouTube guy. Oh, I don't there's know the YouTube guy. I actually I didn't do a ton of research on that, but his name was Ben Shapiro. I don't. I don't think I don't know if that's at all. Yeah, no. but but Ben, uh, right he, into the pod. Right into the pod. He it's so crazy because his um brother Archie Shapiro do you know what he does now for a living oh gosh I, I did find this in a right 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 so he does all of the scores for all of the Hallmark movies yeah so Tanner real quick just I pull up his IMDB okay. page so yeah it was uh, Archie Shapiro Archie, that's right, that's right, that's right. so I always want to say Arthur he this is the craziest thing so Ben got to collab with his brother on the last four of those scores, and I t I'm totally blanking on what the name of those Hallmark movies were. What what were they on that list? Hold on, I'm, I'm pulling it up. Give me just a second. Uh, one was uh, Christmas in Newport. I do know that. I right. Know that. So that that like everybody knows that. One. Right. Christmas in Newport. What were the other three? Um. So there was there was the one. Um, uh, it's called So in Love, but it's spelled yeah. like S-E-W, right. and it's about like the seamstress. You know the one I'm talking about? Right. Yeah. Um, I don't follow Hallmark movies, so I'm thinking of like maybe four different ones. <laughs> <laughs> right. There's a broad-chested man. He has stubble. Yep. He owns... He's way uh, too nice. A... Like some kind of um, souvenir shop. Anyways, anyways, <laughs> what were the other two? Um, hold on, I'm just, I'm still. What was the one that you said? Oh, earlier. Oh gosh, what was the name of it? Christmas and um, Christmas and Newport. Christmas well, Newport. yeah, there was Christmas and Newport. Christmas and Newport. There was so a, in love. There was another one. There was um. Oh, it was uh the shape of the mimosa glass. No, that wasn't him. It wasn't him. No. Oh, what were the other him. two? Um, well, so there was, um, a dash of love. Dash of love. Yeah. Which obviously everyone knows that one. Yeah. Um, and then there was like the crime drama one. I can't remember the name of it. Um, I think it was <laughs> guilty as charged. Yes. That was yes. it. Guilty as charged. Yes. Um, uh, guilty as charged. So they, Ben Shapiro worked alongside his brother, Archie. Archibald Shapiro. Mm-hmm. Archie. Composing music for yeah. Hallmark after Di broke up. Hmm. So they all had interesting jobs after they broke up. They really well, did. No. They really did. Yeah. Sandwich shop. Sandwich not shop. that. Sandwich shop. Homeless man. Masturbating vagrant. <laughs> Sandwich shop owner. Uh, Hallmark. Hallmark score writer. Snow writer. Sandwich yeah. shop was called Geared Rider. Yeah. 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 But it's still not that interesting. Yeah. Well, of a job. I mean, it's 
It's a little different. Go down to the guys at Jimmy John's and ask them if their job's interesting. Uh, I had a friend who... Okay, but like, you, you can't compare Jimmy John's to Gear Grinder. Yeah, yeah. If you're, you're right. Probably not. But well, I'm yeah, where they literally grind so. the meat that I mean, they cook. It was, it was a Halloween-themed shop year-round. Yeah. Yeah. With, and they so. play grindcore. In the shop, that's like their thing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a really uncomfortable place. To <laughs> it's for all y'all in Seattle. You may not want to bring your parents there. Yeah, yeah. Or, or if or your parents are really weird, bring yeah. them. Yeah. yeah. Um, if Emery brought me, I wouldn't be mad. Okay, so I didn't even I didn't even really explain why that was my number four, but it or my number three, but just Jonathan. Okay. Um, well, my number three is Chaos of Heaven Below. Mm. Okay. And um, it, I agree with the whole sellout thing with that. Um, there are some cool effects on that album as a whole. I think that was really neat, and I read up on it because I was curious at how they made them. And because they were in Canada, up in Edmonton area, it gets really cold there, and one night the heat went out in their studio and oh. they, they had some old heaters that were making noise and they just recorded the old heaters. No way. Making oh. noise. Yeah. Oh. Um, and they realized that the heater went out because they had left a couple windows open over by the closet where the heater was. And uh, it just, yeah. So that was their fault. We've all been there. Yeah, yeah. I know. We've, we've all done that. Um, but the delivery guy was, the, not the delivery guy, I'm sorry, the repair guy was super nice because he's Canadian, so he nice. fixed it the next day. Um, but they, that night, they decided that they were going to make the best of it and record those sounds. So, um, yeah, in the beginning of the song The Bush, that those, those sounds are in that one. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And a couple other well, songs. Well, I mean, that's like, that's the shortened title. Yeah, what's, what's the, the whole title? title? Cause like they, I mean, really like, grinding my gears is the only one where they really like did the short title thing, which was right. Well, yeah, they all, they all call it yeah they all call it the bush. I think it's called the bush in my eternal demise or something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. The yeah. bush in the garden, representing my eternal demise. Oh, is that what it was? was it I'm looking at Spotify right now. Uh, oh, you're right. I okay. Hardcore fans always call it the bush, so that's always what I've referred to. Anyway. Um, Are you calling yourself a hardcore fan? Or are you just trying to be like the hardcore fans? I mean, I'm a hardcore fan of their first album, of their of their number one album for me. Oh, I would say the <laughs> most hardcore fans call that song W. 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 Yeah. <laughs> However, that was the it. best Tanner laugh of approval ever. <laughs> if he approves of something, he laughs exactly like that. <laughs> I. Yeah. I'm going to have to listen yeah. back. I don't even know what it was. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I did a good job. <laughs> Yay. Thanks, Dad. I mean, <laughs> Yeah. Um, but, yeah, just the rest of it, it was just, I don't know. It wasn't as good of an album, I thought, mm. um, to me. I just, it didn't didn't quite click for me. Um, and they had, they had gone through a lot. There had been lineup changes. It just didn't sound the same. So, when, yeah, band that I, I grew up loving doesn't quite sound the same years later, then, it, yeah, it kind of throws me off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but I did love the song, The Descendants. I thought that had a great guitar track. Yeah. How did that 
sing a little bit of that guitar solo from that. Track. I don't know why you're having us sing so many when they don't come across very well on the podcast. But it it had it had like a clean guitar intro and then it went into the whole so sing a little bit of it. So <laughs> um and then you know it kind of kind of goes the drums kind of yeah. yeah wait but what you guys are forgetting is there's two guitars and they harmonize with each other so right. Josh do the other do the harmony part <laughs> oh my god <laughs> okay I think we can move on from that disaster um other Jonathan. We're so sorry. Uh, what was your number three actually, album? we're sorry for TK. That's the only one. <laughs> uh, you know, my, my number three album is, ironically, also their number three album, Grinding My Gears, mm. or Feeling Good. Um, my jeans. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, again, I, I think, uh, you know, by that point, this was, what was it, 2011? think that sounds um, right to me correct me if i'm wrong but roughly there um yeah because there was a pretty big gap i think between two and three because i know was killing me gently until i die was two, was oh seven okay wow yeah so the four years yeah so i mean you can tell that their uh production value is definitely a bit higher uh um but i don't know if, part of me um, just wasn't clicking with it, if that makes sense. Um, I, 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 you guys may know about, you know, more about who mixed it and kind of what their philosophy was. Um, and I'd be interested to hear that, um, if you know, but yeah, it, it just in general had, uh, a bit more of, uh, that polka sound, which was intriguing. Um, and... I don't, I don't know much about, so I don't know if I can fully appreciate it. Um, but yeah, you guys mentioned the haunting accordion in the pit, um, and no, that was in, no, that was in um, depression while skydiving over Canada. Oh, that's on their fourth album. Oh, am I? No. Okay, well, but there was the accordion part in the beginning of the intro to the pit, or am I misremembering that? Was that accordion in grinding my gears? Um, <clears throat> it was a synthesizer making accordion sounds. Oh, okay, okay. So, yeah, I mean, for someone who, you know, just was getting into this 48 hours ago, uh, I didn't know all the... Well, and you grew up playing the accordion, too. So, like, I did. I think you have a little bit of bias against it. Well, yeah. I, I mean, mean your parents were... didn't make you start with accordion set piano, which is kind of a weird situation. Well, yeah, they never let me play any other instruments. It was only the accordion for 11 years. The was that because they were in German? your backyard? Uh, no, 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 no. They, uh, sorry, I may have misled you there. It was actually the shed in the backyard <laughs> so that the acoustics were a lot more... Well, the shed rattled and it made it sound interesting. It yeah. did, yeah. There was right. There was when you could hear yourself better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was a, a quicker feedback loop. Um, but yeah, you know, I definitely um, have some resentment toward um, yeah the accordion now. I mean, the accordion kind of fits your German heritage, anyway. Um, it does. What do you got under that sweater? Some Lederhosen? Uh, <laughs> nope. Uh, oh I don't have Lederhosen. Um, why the hell not? He's never gonna TK's come back. Just on, TK's just on the offensive train today. <laughs> True. <laughs> um. So yeah, the uh, 
Grinding My Gears was was my third album. Um, just in general, was not uh, not a huge fan of the the polka centralization theme. Um, but even if it like did like, even if it existed because of like a good reason. Totally, totally. Yeah, I mean, I, I get uh, it. It was it's super interesting, kind of hearing about the inspiration behind all of it, um, and so obviously very. Um, yeah, intrigued, respectful, whatever word you want to use, like it's it's de- definitely impactful, but sonically, um, it, it just wasn't necessarily something um, that fit my interests. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, think about like the little Jimmy, little Jimmy. Uh, right. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. Hike up your, <clears throat> your overall your suspenders. suspenders. Yeah. Um, yeah. It just. Well, it, and how that song goes is actually. Um, it's like little Jimmy, and then there's like it, they don't say it twice. There's like an echo. Oh, so like I'll sing it, and then you guys will do the echo. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. I think that they should just look it up. Yeah, we're just butchering yeah. it. Yeah, we're, we're, little Jimmy, <laughs> little Jimmy, <laughs> hike up your suspenders. No, no, we're not doing this. Push that train. That's not even the lyrics. Yes, it is. Heave ho. There's no no push that train. That's absolutely where it's at. No, it's not. It's little Jimmy. Hike up your suspenders. Heave ho, heave ho. Let's go. They definitely look it up right now. I will look it up. I'll look it up right now. Look it up on Genius. While while you're looking it up, uh, Tanner, you can go ahead and uh... while I'm looking it up. You're yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. While, while cool. you're looking it up, you can also talk. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm right. Um, so okay. you can't end every argument with that. Okay, my number three. My number three album from them is also grinding my gears um while i think you know really like their first three albums are good and so their number four their fourth album had to be my number four the rest of them it was a little bit difficult for me to kind of order them at least the the second and third um but yeah part of what got me on grinding my gears i think was just you know they they went away from the long song titles um and shortened everything which just i mean it was interesting. I think they were trying to make a statement with that, and it 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 only kind of landed. Um, I think that this album was meant to be kind of really sad, and like we talked about, you know, referencing his his great grandfather's Polish heritage and and all that. Um, but but yeah, it was just. Uh, it, I I think that they, you know, in my opinion, in their second album, they really kind of found their sound after their first one, and then. And then this was the one where they started to experiment a little bit. So I, I almost see this one, especially because, you know, my first exposure to them, as I said, was killing me gently until I die. Um, this one almost to me feels like their sophomore slump album. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, I don't know, it's just kind of um, okay for me. I mean, I mean, compared to their other two, like it, right. it's not like it's a bad album, but it's just not as good as the other two, in my opinion. Um, one kind of interesting fun fact, though is um so there's this uh there was this rifle in you know the world war ii called an m1 garand 
And so the lyric in the song, Ill Fated, um, where they're saying they're chanting boom boom ping, that's right. a reference to that rifle where it would No would, way. Yeah, so when, when the when the clip and it was a clip, not a magazine, when the clip would empty, it would make this like ping sound mm-hmm. as it ejected. And so um, that song's like super, super dark if you actually listen to the lyrics and then knowing that fact about it. So um, I don't, I don't want to get into it too much right. just because it's, it's really, really sad. But right. Um, but yeah, it, for me, like, like musically, it just wasn't, I don't think their best one. Um, like Josh mentioned, they, they kind of did like some experimental stuff after they really kind of found their sound in their second album, I think. And then they kind of added all this electronic stuff and um, yeah, just didn't, musically didn't land for me. I do think the lyrics are great because um, I, they're, they're very impactful, but um, overall, yeah. If, if I can interject real quick, I completely forgot to do Sounds Feels Like for oh. my third pick. Right. Uh, uh, which, reminder, was Chaos of Heaven Below. So when I was listening to this album, I was in between a couple of different colors, but I chose red. Mm. Um, kind of like chartreuse Yeah, yeah, sure. I don't know what that is. <laughs> right. It's a color. It's char- chartreuse Chartreuse. Okay, yeah. I, I will look that up. We've been looking up too much on Google already. <laughs> yeah. Well, Enough so. Google searches. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Um, but that's that's the color that it just felt like most to me. So if you think that red is a good color for that album, write it at the pod. My taste in music is terrible at gmail.com. And if you think chartreuse is a good depiction of red. All right. My number two album is actually Chaos of Heaven Below. I. Uh, and it, I think that this album is musically the best album. Wait, which album? Chaos of Heaven Below. Mm. And you can disagree with that all you want. But I, I mean, think, we do. Josh, rock what you got. <laughs> I think it's musically yeah. the best album. Um, and it, like I was talking about with you, this where his his brother died right. before releasing this album. So he's he's struggling with these ideas of fate and death and eternity. Um, I think that Farewell, See You Again, Maybe is easily the most intimate and raw song lyrically that they have ever done. I would agree. Um, yeah. I, I, I would say that across all four albums, it's probably my favorite song. Really? Uh, oh, wow. I, yeah, Farewell, so, See You Again, Maybe. Um, it's more of a ballad, so that's interesting that well, that's your favorite song. Well, he, but, but if you... Like so, I'm vocalist, so I really like lyrics. Right, yeah, right. And he's really struggling with this idea of eternity. And is he actually going to see his brother again? He doesn't really know. Right. And that's mm-hmm. what he's wrestling with with this song. Um, will I see you again? I'm not ever going to pretend. It's never going to be enough. Just put the cover over your fluff. This is not going to be <laughs> easy to begin to sort through. My brother, my love. I don't know what to do. Wow. Those lyrics. Powerful. Uh, yeah, that's why I, like, I, I got choked up in the middle of that. Right. I also I really like the songs uh, Picking Up the Pieces of My Life and uh, Windward Solace for Deafened Hearts. Ooh, Ooh yeah. I, 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 I just think that lyrically those are fantastic What's your songs. favorite lyric from that? I, 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 I think actually the part where he is where he is screaming where mm. because it, it's kind of it's really ironic at that point but he's screaming windward solace for deafened hearts i i think that that is i think it's really cool mm-hmm. um but yeah that's uh that's my number two album yeah and there's not a lot of like dirty vocals or screaming on that record no, either right. so it's hard yeah 
Um, okay, my... Are, are we not going to do love tips? Well, well, it's my turn. We'll get there. Oh, we'll get there? We'll get oh, there. Okay. Make, make the people wait. Okay. Make them want it. Okay. My number two favorite album is um, Kelly Me Gently Till I Die. Mm-hmm. And it, it, a little background on this album. This is really cool. Um, so it's between... This album and self-titled as to like what what is their most like infamous album, and the producer it wasn't Max Sue. Um, no, he did he did grinding my gears. He did grinding my gears. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a guy named Jeremy Letha. Letha. Yeah. Yeah. Jeremy Letha. What yeah. else has he done? Uh, he's done a few like Breaking Benjamin albums. Uh, okay. He even was like an executive okay. uh, mixer on Johnny Cash's last album. Which is like a big deal, um, so very different. Yeah, like yeah. very different. So very, very discography. He's pretty well known in the industry. He, yeah, he's pretty well known, Jeremy Letha. Um, <clears throat> so he, the production method that they use is actually derived from a uh, specific Chinese rice farming practice. No way. Yeah, which is really cool. So, um, and it's so weird how like it connects to um, production, but it, it like the fun thing about this is like. So we're basically all of my taste in music is in a band called Pangborn. And we're kind of like talking through like how we wanted to like this album to sound, how we wanted to produce this. And the person that like, it's crazy. I've never talked to anybody that knew about this Chinese rice um, farming practice that is also kind of like a recording thing. Uh, I've never talked to anybody about this who knew it as much as Jonathan. So if you could kind of explain that, like how those two are related. Yeah, well... Jonathan okay. Crouch. Okay, gotcha. Jono. Yeah, Jono. so the Chinese farming like rice practice, first of all, like rice paddies are just full of water, right? It's just a bunch of water everywhere. That's how they grow. They don't grow under it, right? Um, so when they're extracting the rice, they use these, they have these baskets that are very tightly woven that they put the rice into. And when they throw the rice into the baskets, like, because they're empty at first, then the rice makes, like, a, kind of a weird noise. Like a sloshing. Like, yeah, not quite because they're not super wet, okay. but it just makes, because of the like wood a, they make. Like a, like a, like a sloppy of. thump. Sort of, yeah. That's like a good way to describe it. Right, kind of like... Thwack. Yeah. Thwack. Um, sort of. It um, depends. A dense thwack. It needs to be a big handful of rice into an empty basket. Right. right. Okay. And I don't... Yeah. The baskets are tightly woven, though, so not much of it comes through. It's right. fine. So um, think about so. that, but like a giant empty room of amps. Mm-hmm. Right. So to, to kind of create that thwack sound, they're watching a documentary about the Chinese, how the Chinese farm these, uh, farm the rice, and it's, it's quite amazing. But um, it's just a lot of great teamwork. So to make that thwack sound, they just they grabbed a little handful of cooked rice and slapped it on the table in front of a microphone. And they had right. a couple different microphones. They had a room microphone, I think, and then they had one that was kind of close up, and they blended them, and that's how it sounds. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I, like, I think that stuff like that, uh, you know, Demon Hunter, uh, freaking... War of Ages. War of Ages, Training for Utopia, mm-hmm. which actually technically was Demon Hunter. 
<clears throat> and then you know living sacrifice like there's there's so many bands like i think that came up like granted uh you know di tells nothing like living sacrifice but like there's so many bands that kind of came up in that same era and they sonically just kind of blend together even like the agony scene um they sound so similar and then i just think that like um you know every time that bass drum hits um in uh you know, killing me gently till I die, and there's that thwack sound. Mm -hmm. It just really sets them apart from, uh, you know, all the bands that basically sonically sound exactly the same. Um, and just to kind of, uh, you know, because granted, you know, his ancestors were Polish, but seeing seeing how he was still go globally conscious, totally. um, I think was really ahead of the times. Was really inspiring, um, and really added a lot to, um, I, I guess, like their scope of influence as a as a rock band. Um, and it's so cool because even. Um, uh, so Rice Farms, uh, upon hearing upon like his um, his his like uh, you know bout yeah his influence or even like his bout with you know mental health, uh, you know it's just a real thing. It's not funny. It's not it's not a funny thing. But they uh, raised funds uh, to try to help him, um, and you know they they did the absolute best that they could because he he had done so much to put a spotlight on these farming practices and, uh, you know, this, this rural Chinese community. Wow. That's amazing. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, it's you knew about the, the technique. Well, not the whole other side of the story. Right. Yeah, yeah, like globally. Right. right. Yeah. CNN That's did a neat. huge story on it. You can actually even, like, look at the YouTube link uh, posted in the show notes mm. for this podcast. I will. Yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll have the YouTube link for that in the show notes. Yeah. Jono. Um. All right. So, my second favorite album from theirs is their second album, "Killing Me Gently Till I Die." Oh, same as TK. Yeah, and I had a real hard time between this one and the my my number one album from them. Um. But I, I do think this is where they found their sound. Uh, Self-titled was a little, kind of, it was a little all over the place in terms of cohesion. Um, but this one, it, they did a lot of work in the meantime. Uh, they toured for a bit, but they also, I think they toured for maybe a year, and then they started writing the record at their house, for their homes, for a year. Um, so that shows, mm -hmm. I think. I think, um, try, uh, Tribes of the World, that song. Right, is, that's is, a great song. It's a really good song. I always forget that, that that that's them. Yeah, it has, well, it has the tribal drums in it, which is kind of neat. Yeah. Um, but right. Different. They just add, again, just like the, we were talking about the Denver <clears throat> beforehand, they just add a ton of reverb to them. So it doesn't make it sound quite right. Right, but there is that crack sound, too. That's true. Right. Um, and, yeah, which is kind of a theme. Right on their albums, um, um, which is why like Di heads call it thwack. They call this album thwack, like the real hardcore ones. That's true. Yeah, they, they do. do. They do. Um, and yeah, it's it's a great album. Right. Yeah. Uh, like I mentioned in the beginning, when I um, you asked if this band had stood the test of time for me. Right. Um, this makes me want to Google something really. Good. Yeah. Hang on. This album and my number one album definitely have. Just because there's a lot of attention to detail that I think the other albums don't have for various reasons that I've talked about. 
Um, but there's just a lot of good guitar parts. Oh my god! On, on the intro track, I just called intro. Mm. Uh, intro parentheses and introduction. Yeah. Yeah. Great track. Um, it's just 30 seconds long, but it's just a bunch of guitar riffs thrown together. What did you find? Oh, okay. This is gonna sound like I'm making this up on the spot. Okay. I'm totally not. I believe you. What you got? Here. Okay, so uh, in Norse mythology, um, the term "killing me gently till I die," the word for it is thwack. Wow. Isn't what? that insane? That, once again, I return to a word that I've used several times on this podcast. Just unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, well, th- I mean, that like p- paints their attention to detail. Mm. Yeah. Uh, as inscrupulous. Wow. That's a great word. Yeah. Can you define yeah. unscrupulous? Yeah. Word? Yeah. <laughs> Without scrupulous. Not scrupulous. Oh, right now? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Without um, scruple. Right. Well, <laughs> it's scruple. It's like um like a lot of. Yeah. It's it's a lot oh. of. Yeah. Yeah, like like a lot of attention to detail. Like yeah. Detail <laughs> like um like How? an infinite, infinite amount. Do you ever sub for English? I just did today. <laughs> and that was actually what we taught. It scrupulously well. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's hear uh, your number Other two. Jonathan, number oh, two. Sorry. I got to do my sounds feels like. Oh, oh I'm right. I keep forgetting this piece. And then I have my oh, love tip. I thought you just did oh, my love tip. I thought your love tip was... Oh, make them right. wait. Make, make, make them want it. Oh, make them want it. I mean, I can expound if you want. I'll do the so color happy. first. I can expound on it. Okay. Um... I feel you should tie the color into the tip if if you, if it makes sense. Um, yeah, no, I think it actually does. Okay. Yeah, I think I, I think I can make it work. Okay, I'll do a little improv here. That's a first. I know. I'm um, usually very well prepared. Yeah, I mean I have my notes, but it's okay. Right. I can improv from time yeah. to time. Yeah. Not for a whole episode though. No. So killing me gently till I die. Kind of. I just thought of the color green. Uh, just because it's not that it's like a bright and cheerful album, but because I think green is a pretty positive color to us, right? With green stoplights, grass, trees, whatever, you know, spring, all that. Yeah. Um, so coming from self-title into this album was just a super positive experience for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's um, when it's like I when I think like green, I think of like evergreen, like everlasting. Right. You know, like, yeah. Right. Absolutely. Um, so. I think that's why I thought of green for this one. Um, also, if if you're quote unquote green when it comes to relationships, right? Just, I mean, think about it. But you don't you don't have to do this. But my my advice to you is make the other person wait. Right. Thank you. Um, my second album. Uh, I believe is uh, Chaos of Heaven Below. Mm. Um, like I said, I do enjoy the production value that comes with it. Um, some of the terms that have been thrown around are sold out or contract- contractually obligated. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think it's it does show just a general maturity slash um, uh, evolution of their sound. Mm. Um, 
So uh, again, I, I recognize that I'm not maybe the target audience for some of their earlier albums, and that's okay. Um, Which, like, who is the target audience? Uh, I would say the people in Pangborn, for example. Right. Um, so and, idiots. Well, I wouldn't use that term. Uh, I would use uh, musically inclined cool. toward cool guys. Punk rock okay. area. Because, like, what's your main genre you listen to? Uh, like, uh, hip hop slash indie. Okay. Uh, so yeah, quite different. Yeah, yeah. very different. Okay. So most of the names that you guys throw around on this podcast, I don't know. <laughs> um, so that's why we love to have you. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Chaos of Heaven Below, I think, was a little bit m- more of their their stab at the mainstream, which AKA me. Um, so. I appreciated it. Um, I did. There, there were times where it seemed a little safe, um, which I think gets to mm. you know the terms of uh, selling out or recording for the label or you know stuff like that. Um, and so uh, there wasn't any, there wasn't necessarily risks taken on it. Um, and so, so I, I see where people who are. Um, very big fans of the genre might find it lacking um but i did appreciate just the raw sound of it you know i'm driving around my car and that's blasting you know it it feels good um but like i said safe um and so for me that's okay um but i did hear that tanner actually had an embarrassing story to tell um about one of the songs on the album uh specifically the wall is painted gray, and so I just I asked him if he'd be comfortable sharing that on the on the <laughs> podcast. So for the world, for the world. Uh, all right. So here's the thing. Okay, you talk about driving around in your car, mm-hmm. listening to Chaos of Heaven Below. Right. And you know when this album first came out, that's exactly what I did. Um, and I was driving, you know, on the freeway through the mountains, the Cascade Mountains in in Washington State, um, just listening to this album when it came out in my car. And um, it was raining really, really hard. And I was like on the top of this mountain and there was like nothing within a reasonable distance. Um, And I just just really, really had to go to the bathroom, okay? And so, um, so I ended up, you know when the song "The Wall Is Painted Gray" came on, uh-huh. um, like that, there's that one line. There's the one line that it just it just says. No, the, the lyric says, "Who cares? Just yeah. go ahead and do it." And so I was like, you know what? This feels like a sign. Um, right. And so I pulled over on the side of the freeway, mm-hmm. and in in just in the in the the heaviest rain you could possibly imagine. You know, I just got out of my car. I left the door open and, and let that song blare. And I just, uh, I dropped a deuce on the side of the freeway. I had to do it, you know? <laughs> yeah, and Claire was with you and she wasn't too happy about that. No, this this was this was before Claire. Oh, okay. <clears throat> he didn't mean like with you physically, he meant. Oh, like in, in spirit. Yeah. yeah, in your heart. Like you guys were together at that point when she heard about it. Right, but this was before Claire was like really into um, DI. Okay, so which now she's 
she's probably an even bigger fan than you. Oh yeah, yeah. I I, I would say I don't really listen to them anymore. Claire, um, just name your favorite Di song really quick. Hey, wait, let me walk the mic over to her one second. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> What's your favorite song, Claire? Um, I have to say my favorite song is from self-titled and it's baby with an old face mm. Mm, right that's a good song that yeah. is a good one that has a kind of a cool piano intro yeah. right actually yeah. tanner was doing that earlier how did it go tk yeah the p- it's a little bit like <laughs> come, come on come on <laughs> That's where the five five or five the four five timing comes in. Interesting. They use that in time signature quite a bit. Yeah. To the chagrin of anyone who wants to learn Right. So 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 anyway, mo- moving along from that embarrassing to moment, your number two. Um, to my number two album is actually self-titled. Um, so great segue there. Um, yeah, and you know this is this is their um, this is the album that that kind of put them on the map a little bit. You know they had that EP and they toured a little, but then you know the full-length album helped to kind of grow their following. Um, didn't make it to the number one spot for me because I think that they were still, you know, as we've talked about, they were still kind of finding their sound, right? Um, mm-hmm. So it, it was just, uh, it didn't quite feel as cohesive. We've talked about it already. Like, you know, um, Bixby on guitar was always getting a little bit off time, mm-hmm. um, off tempo, and they'd just leave that in. Um, you well, know, they didn't use, after, sorry to interrupt, but when I was watching their, re- their videos and recording in the studio, they didn't really use click. Right. Right, which is I think their their goal there was to make it feel really authentic, mm-hmm. um, which which I think I think <clears throat> it does really well. But, but um, I feel like with the like a debut album, you want to make it clean. like that's more experimental, right? And, like that's something yeah. that you would do down the road. Exactly. Well, like that, that's something that's, they should have done on Grinding My Gears. Right. Right. Exactly. And so um, and so you know it, it just it feels a little bit immature. Like like they're they yes they have really dark lyrics. Um, Especially in Baby with an Old Face, you know, Claire's favorite right, song. Right, right. Or um, Dark, Dark, Dark Cave. Right. Yeah. <laughs> How did the well, song go? The full, the, full, the full title being Dark, Dark, Dark Cave in the Middle of the Desert Under the Sun. Right. Um, right. In that song goes, There's a dark, dark cave under the middle of the sun. It's a deep, deep cave. There's no sun. There's a dark, dark cave. We got right. everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's yeah. a dark, dark cave. <laughs> it's a deep, dark cave. Um, and honestly, so that's a great example of like the lyrics not being quite as good as they right. Were so, the so there, it was a little bit. It just felt a little immature, you know. Um, and and you know, like we've said, Kevin Lining was only 14 when the song came out. So right, right. Um, and he wrote the that song. And he did write that song. Yeah. So, and that's why, that's why there's actually no drums in that song is because he's doing the vocals. So, um, they wanted to be able to recreate it live. And so they just figured, you know, let's just not do drums in that one. Right. He had been caving that afternoon. He wrote the song. So, so so basically, so so. (laughs) he would, he would like ring out the symbols for the song before that song. 
Yeah. Um, plunging V-line. Right. And then step out from the the kit and just start singing. There's a dark, dark cave underneath the sun. So right. There's a deep, dark yeah. cave. Yeah. And he would be clapping because he's a percussionist. Right, right, right. Um, I, I will say, you know, this album, um, it really, like... The, the one thing that's been consistent throughout this whole discography, I think, mm-hmm. is um, Sassafras Stevens on the yeah. bass. His, he just, his iconic style, you know, of like bass swells and then also slap bass and like kind of layering all that is right. just, um, it's it's so unique. And it's it's impressive, really. It, it is, is, yeah. And it's it's not something that you really see anybody else doing. And so, um, yeah. So, yeah, or, I did, I did, or I did, hear it even. Right, and so I do think that this that this album is is really great, um, but yeah, just didn't quite make it to the top spot for me. Uh, so my favorite album is actually self-titled, and the reason that it's my favorite album over the other albums because I do recognize that it it is a little more raw musically. Uh, is I I really like the lyrical content. Uh, but I also like the use of symphonics and strings that they mm. use in this in this album. Um, yeah. I I wish that it was real strings instead of synth. Mm. Uh, but but uh, they uh, that I really like the use of that in this album. Um, I I love what Jonathan said about it being direct and to the point. Um, they definitely didn't pull any punches. Mm-hmm. There are no holds barred with the lyrics. Um, I disagree with Jonathan, OG Jonathan over there. Uh, I think the guitar work was phenomenal in this album. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's not, that's, I'm not a guitarist, but I, like, like you are, but. I, I think there are some songs that were good, but then there are others that there are good parts followed by something that I just felt was a little generic. What are, what are your top three guitar songs on that album? I mean, oh. Wrist Flesh has to be in there. My top yeah. three are also my favorite lyrical uh, songs in this album. Uh, Renewing Death, Disjoined Reality, Finding Annie, Ill-Fated, all of those have just really, right. really good uh, guitar parts to them. And lyrically, they're, I think they're masterpieces. <clears throat> right. Right. So, um, yeah, that's my favorite album, is self-titled. <clears throat> yeah, and I think it was like a... So, are you done? Yeah, I'm done. That's it. I didn't want to like just cut you off. That was, um, that was my that was my ranking. Cause that like I mean that would be my mathematically that would be my one. Um, and so I mean, what can I say that you haven't already said? Um, but I think it was a really bold choice to like go out and do a, a um, like a concept album for their first album too. So number one, they they didn't use a click. Number two, they did a concept album. Um, and they made it a concept album based on uh, Pink Floyd's The Wall. So it's a concept album based on a concept album. So that's mm. a double concept. Wow. And wow. a lot of people don't know that, um, but it's it's a, it's pretty, you know, it's definitely in there. Uh, songs like Wrist Flesh, right. they talk about a wall. Um, they talk about oh, teachers needing to leave kids alone. Um, and, and, you know, it definitely, like, you can see the Pink Floyd um Influences, uh, yeah, influences like yeah. all over there. I would agree with that. And it's actually it's funny because I have a, I also have a really embarrassing memory mm. associated with this album as well. Um, <clears throat> so I was a, I was a, a young man, and um, 
Like 27. Yeah, yeah. It was last year. <laughs> I thought that was a few years ago. I'm kidding. Uh, so, yeah, actually it was a few years ago. But there's this uh, this gal um, that I had taken a shining to. Um, but she had a boyfriend, and it was just really frustrating. Um, and so, um, anyways, so we're hanging out, um, and I noticed that my fly is down. Um, so real, real smooth and real quick, I, I get up and, um, I'm like, you know, kind of walk and zip. Were you hoping that she noticed or not? Um, like split the difference. Okay. This, I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> Apathy. Apathy. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that means. And as I walk, um, the, the locks of her hair rush by with my motion and as I zip oh. her hair oh. goes into my zipper oh. Oh. and let's just say I turned some heads that night <laughs> so needless to say um, you know I am uh, I just uh, I really love this album it Wait, I feel like that's a bad memory. Oh no, that that's how we um, decided to never talk again. Oh, I never talked to the bullet. Right, yeah, right. Okay. So, and the, I think that this album is um, just it it, it it's um, a fourteen year old, and then you know, however old these other. They're only a couple years older, I think. Yeah. I think the oldest was Six, 19. Six, 16 yeah. year old. Okay. So, so Rice, Rice the, Farms, the, the lead singer. Right. Because um, well, the his, members his, that we decided were in this band, I'm going to list all of them. Right. Bixby on guitar was yeah. only 16. Right. right. Um, Sassafras Stevens, Sassafras bass, Stevens on, bassists. on bass. On bass. Yeah. Yeah. was only 15. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and he went by the stage name of Sassy. Sassy. Kevin Lining. Was the 14. Drums. Yeah, he was 14. He was only 14. Yeah. And then... Um, the, the lead singer... So so he, his stage name, he went by Rice Farms. But his, his name was actually Ricky Farmington. Um, and so that was, that was part of, like... His stage name was kind of alluding to, you know, the production style... That they Richard were in their second Farmington album, and and it's such a shame because he was such a gifted vocalist, and a lot of people um, compared him to, uh, like, what what would you say, Crabtree? People, gosh, I mean, it, it was so unique. Um, His crooning, right? It was, gosh, if I had to pick one, and you do, you yeah, do. yeah, in this situation. Uh, gosh, I would have to go with, he had almost a seventies influence, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, man, uh, I would say, you know what, what sounds interesting, uh, and you may, you may not agree with this, um, but I would actually say he sounds like, um, Axl Rose. Yeah. That's who it sounds like to me. Uh, yeah, so I would say he sounded like oh, an Axl Rose influence, but again, it's so unique. Right. Um, 
So yeah, it, it was interesting having almost a crooning style right. for for kind of the yeah whether you want to say it's new metal or not right right um, whatever you want to classify it as it, it definitely had a very intriguing uh, entry into the genre because if you think about like Axl Rose going like welcome to the jungle but then also going ooh ah, ah. Mm. well that might have been someone else no. <laughs> Anything else you'd like to add? Yeah. Um, so my love tip then. Yeah. Just when love you love tip. with wait, TK. Wait, wait. Wait, you <laughs> have a love tip? Lo- it's. We do this every episode. Love tips with TK. Let's go. Come on. Yeah. I'm trying to do it. So when you love a woman, if you need to zip up your zipper. Walk the opposite direction uh, of her hair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. let's say there is a kitchen, the opposite direction of her. Don't say you have to go to the bathroom. Say parlay in the kitchen. She'll say, "What is like? What language are you speaking?" And you'd say, "Pirate speak." And then mm-hmm. she might be amused. Right. Oh. Might be. Yeah. Right. And that's how you know. She right. might be amused or a giant Jack Sparrow fan. Could be. Right. Either we way. All are. Either way, you're in. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going <laughs> to... So, John, I'm number I'm gonna, one yeah, album. I'm going to move, I'm gonna move this along. Um, my number one album, which should be no surprise uh, to people who have been paying attention, um, is Grinding My Gears. Whoa. Uh, yeah. I love this album. I know it was a little bit of a departure from Killing Me Gently Till I Die, which was a, I mean I feel like a lot of people who are fans of this band that's their favorite album just because they like subtitle but that was just they feel like a better version Josh mm-hmm. would disagree I know um, like Evil Dead and then Evil Dead 2 I haven't seen them but sure um, but yeah I, I love that I love grinding my gears I think it hit a nice a spot between doing the stuff that they're really good at and when they found their niche on Killing Me Gently um, and also in trying new things and being creative and I love creativity so um, there, there were a few parts in this album I believe we mentioned a poke apart beforehand um, mm-hmm. and just kind of leaning into some weird styles and making it work with new metal or alt metal however we define it, it I think it just worked I, I really like it I, the song hit uh, which we've mentioned. I mean, that that's a headbanger. That yeah, that's yeah. a good one. Um, <laughs> Eternal sorrow, ill fated. Yeah, like those are just again we've mentioned them. They're my countless favorite. times. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. They're my favorite songs. On it's the on album. on the Reddit board. Um, yeah, right. yeah. It's it's amazing, and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's. I don't. I don't really know what else I can say about it. Just besides, I listened to it years ago, and I listened to it again last night to prepare for this, and I remembered why I love the band, and why I think they're groundbreaking during their time, and why I think that album works. So, um, I'm just gonna yeah go with that and do a sounds feels like the last sounds feels like. Before you do that, yeah. what song did Trevor McNevin 
guest rap on Ooh. from Thousand Foot Crutch? That's a good question. Um, because for those of you who don't know, Thousand Foot Crutch was a, another Canadian band that helped up-and-coming bands. Right. Um, and they usually helped them under the tooth and nail label, but they decided to, they, they found these guys and they decided that they wanted to help them out and, and just bring them on tour and all this, all this kind of stuff. So they do that with a lot of different bands. Um, but I think Trevor rapped on, uh, let's see, oh boy, I don't, oof. I'm gonna have to look this up. Um, Discourse of a Sailor. Discourse of a Sailor. What yeah. was that rhyme? I don't remember, to be quite honest. All right, Crabtree, <laughs> number one. So my number one uh, is obviously killing me gently until I die. Um, uh, it, I think someone mentioned it, but it did seem like self-titled 2.0, right? It was a little bit more polished, a little bit more grown up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, self-titled came out in 05, I believe. Um, and so then two years later, you kind of get this follow-up album in a way. Um, and, and so, you know, um, their drummer, Kevin was 16 at the time. He was a junior in high school now. Uh, he'd kind of gone through the formative freshman, sophomore year. Um, and, and I think you can almost hear that in, uh, the tracking of the album. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I appreciated um, I appreciated it from a lyrical standpoint. Uh, sonically, in my opinion, it was one of the best. Even though the fourth album had more of a professional mixing, um, I just liked. Uh, I don't know who the producer was for this album, um, but I really appreciated their style. And their I think Aaron music. Sprinkle came in and did this one. Oh, okay. yeah, I did, did see that. Yeah. yeah. Okay, gotcha. And, and that makes yeah. sense. I like a lot of his work. Um, or her um, yeah, uh, so uh, yeah I, I thought they did a, a really fantastic job um, and again not to say that the next two albums were bad um, but Killing Me Gently Till I Die and specifically um, Table on a Fur Rug I think really really spoke to me um, just, just from a standpoint of the minimalistic lyrics um, mixed with kind of the headbanging guitar work um, yeah uh, yeah I, I think were uh, for me just the most attractive um, uh, of all of it so mm-hmm. um, and you can't forget I mean, about signature of a mortal man right or, well yeah. to be honest so I know that's you know one of their most known songs from that from that album um, but to me it, it was it was more so I felt middling um, you know and and that's not to, to say it was poorly written or anything like that. Um, but I think just for, for my headspace while I was listening to it as, you know, a, a 26-year-old guy, um, it, it was just I'm in a different headspace than, uh, you know, I would have been had I heard it back in 07. Um, so, so, yeah, I think Table on a Fur Rug and... Madeline on Madeline, Why'd You Die? Madeline, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Madeline, Madeline, why'd you die? Was um, just a, a a soaring ballad. Um, Head through a glass window, I think, was um, surprisingly um, melodic. I would say, mm-hmm. which is um, funny because "Head in a Ceiling Fan" by Title Fight was inspired by that song. Right, mm-hmm. right. Uh, 
that came out how many years? Oh, seven. Okay, yeah. so Head in the Ceiling Fan came out in uh, ten. Oh, gotcha. Oh, t- oh, t- yeah. Oh, t- yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, there's a two zero ten. Um, yeah. So I I don't know. I just learning more about this band. Um, I just I really appreciated their um, commitment to um, style in terms of uh, their music, but also just their look. I, you know, looking at some of their pictures, uh, from their early days. Um, I liked how they all dressed in jeans and a black shirt. Um, mm-hmm. you know, no matter where they were at, um, you know, no matter what the season was, I, I, I appreciate the commitment to, to style. So, um, well, that's, I mean, that's just, you know, they have the song dancing in jeans on their first album. Right. And right. so I think that's kind of like, you know, that I, once you release a song with that title, you're kind of committed. Right. right? So. Yeah. No. I, I. Yeah. I really appreciated their commitment to consistency throughout yeah. their whole uh, discography. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number one album is also "Killing Me Gently Until I Die." Um, just it's my favorite album by them. Um, I think I think Crabtree touched on a lot. Um, obviously, like I said, it w- this was my exposure to the band, and so it's the just the album I feel the most connected with. Um, but it's also in, it's just a perfect album. Um, it, it's you know, it's better than than any Reliant K album. It's better than any Super Chick album. Yeah, um, it's absolutely it's way better than the Black Parade. Um, and you know, way better than Demon Hunter. Like yeah, yeah, I mean, better than anything Demon Hunter ever put out. So it's it's you know, which is interesting because Air Sprinkle was part of this one. It, exactly I know and so it's uh, they really just knocked it out of the park and so I think it's um, you know it, it's an iconic record and like I said it's really where they found their sound and, and made a made a big statement so um, you know they came out with their self-titled one and like I said it felt a little immature but they were a little more grown up you know 17 19 um, you know that that age range and um, they just 16 16 yeah they just really uh, killed they it just, they really killed it and so yeah. um mm-hmm. So yeah, and uh, killed it gently. They they killed it gently. They killed it died. 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 (laughs) And then came back to life. It's an amazing album. Yeah, Yeah, what a wow! What a resurrection story. Mm. Josh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's it. Oh my gosh, that's it. I think all together, all of us should say a two-worded phrase. Mm, (laughs) Okay. Yeah. To, to sum up their discography? To sum up their discography. Sum up the whole thing. Okay. I think I'm tracking with you on what yeah. it should be, too. Mm-hmm. Ready? Everybody all together. Oh, wait. All together. One, two, two, three. April, April Fools! <laughs> gotcha. Did anybody listen this far, though? No. <laughs> no they stopped oh, listening as soon as we started singing. <laughs> two hours. Honestly, I feel like this band li- actually is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm convinced. Um, they yeah, sounded I mean, that was good. fun. They did. Um, so, yeah, check out our new Netflix special. Uh, <laughs> we're not getting one. <laughs> no, that was fun. Sorry that I... I'm I'm going to go and edit myself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm so annoying. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Tune in next week for My Chemical Romance. Yes. We're very excited about that. Um, And it's going to be all guys. So I think we we should name. And we won't be lying 
the whole time. <laughs> so we, we should title the episode My Chemical Bromance because there will be no female representation. Ooh. We should. Mm. I just tune in to the next one, please. Um, just because I think we've mentioned My Chemical Romance on every single one of them. <laughs> it's like a trope. We, yeah. We, yeah. We love, we love that They've band. just really um, been Gerard Wayne on our hearts. Yeah. <laughs> a lot lately. Uh, it's, the, it's just the Gerard way we do things here. Yeah. <laughs> it's so true. All right. <laughs> I hope your taste in music just got a little more terrible. Oh, I didn't know I was part of that. <laughs> <laughs>